Staying in contact, I'm London Mitchell. We are all familiar with this lyric line. In a bar in Toledo, across from the depot. Of course, we know the song, and the bar in Toledo was the Country Palace. The story of the man behind the Country Palace and its predecessor, the Peppermint Club, is a fascinating story about not only the bars, but of musicians and mobsters. My guests are the author of a new book, A Bar in Toledo, The Untold Story of a Mafia Frontman and a Grammy-Winning Song. That frontman was Dwayne Abagay. The authors are his daughter, Stephanie, and Dominic Viana. The story is emotional, theatrical, and dripping with nostalgia and the dark underworld that helped make it all possible. And it's all true. There's no point in telling a story unless you're going to tell the truth, or at least the truth as far as you can discern. You know, Dwayne Abajay was, there were two Dwayne Abajays. There are two sides to Dwayne. There was the nightclub owner and all that entailed, and then there was the family man. So I think Dom and I both set out to tell what is a great story of the American dream of rock and roll, Rust Belt redemption, but also really the truth behind the scenes, what it really took to make that club as successful as it was, both in terms of what it cost my father and his family and what it cost him personally with involvement in potentially criminal activity. Yeah, and what I think makes this book special too is that it has the intimacy of an autobiography from Stephanie's standpoint, but it also has kind of the nuance and perspective, you know, that I kind of brought in being a neutral observer saying like, Hey, here's some stuff that we found. This is what I see looking out, uh, looking in from the outside. Um, and just kind of that dynamic between Stephanie and I really made for uh, a compelling narrative, in my opinion. Anyone familiar with the history of Toledo knows about the uh, the gangs and the mobs from back in the uh, prohibition days. I think it's fascinating uh, for many of us to hear that there was still mob activity into the 60s and the 70s. And probably more than what people thought even existed, right? Like that was part of the, the crazy part when we started digging into these FBI reports and interviewing crime historians is like, this was like kind of par for the course in the Midwest is that these... Um, mob organizations would often take advantage of first-generation American entrepreneurs because they were maybe easier to manipulate. Um, and, you know, large swaths of local businesses in Toledo and obviously other cities like Detroit and Cleveland and St. Louis were largely run in part by the mob. So Stephanie, you said there was, to your father, two sides. Did you, did you really know the nightclub operator? In growing up, or did you only see the one the one side, the, the family man, the dad? So I saw both sides of my father, but I didn't see all of both sides of my father. Um, as I like to say, I had a very cinematic childhood. We spent um, every Saturday and Sunday morning in the Peppermint Club or the Country Palace, whichever iteration it was, dancing on the stage, playing pool in the back rooms, you know, making drinks behind the bar, soda fountain drinks, but um, running in the basement into the locker room, sitting in my dad's office. So we spent a lot of time in the clubs. 
Um, but we also spent a lot of time with my father since he worked nights, he would be home in the daytime. So we would go to lunch together. We would go shopping. Um, so I saw the family man and then I saw the nightclub owner, but I didn't see really behind the scenes of the nightclub and didn't really understand what was actually happening down there until I was much older. But, you know, we had, um, men came to our house all the time in shiny Cadillacs and they pumped popped their trunks and, my father would say, girls, buy what you want. And the trunks would be full of stuffed animals or AM, FM radios or gold jewelry or turquoise jewelry or dresses for my mother or high heeled shoes or dress shirts and slacks for my father. So we, we kind of had a taste of the business. Like we didn't know where this stuff came from and we didn't care. Um, we sort of enjoyed that way of living without really understanding it and not delving too deeply into it. Not the usual family setting. Well, we had uh, the Coke and tr Pepsi trucks from the distributor delivered right to our houses. Um, we got cases of lobster tails, cases of fruit, whole cows processed and, and delivered. Our basement looked like a grocery store. We had wire shelves full of any kind of good you could imagine. We had two freezers full of frozen lobster tails and cartons of cigarettes. Um, we didn't have a lot of booze in the house, but things were delivered to our house that probably most people wouldn't have um, delivered. When I was 12 years old, my allowance was $75 a week. So this was 1977, I think. Um, we always had brand new bicycles. We always had brand new cars. Um, we had men stopping by at all hours with, you know, suitcases full of jewelry. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty exciting. We would take the day, my father would pull us out of school and we'd go out to lunch somewhere, or we'd go to a state park and pick grape leaves and then go to my aunt Joe's house and the whole family would be there and we would make grape leaves and roll them and freeze them. Um, a lot of family activities, a lot of unconventional activities. So how was it that the Peppermint Club and the Country Palace were so successful in bringing big name talent to Toledo. There's a few reasons, right? I mean, obviously, Dwayne's a very charismatic um, personality, nightclub owner, but also there's a lot of credit that's due to the venue itself, the Peppermint Club of the Country Palace. This was, you know, the old Burt's Theater. So it had some of the best acoustics of any venue in the Midwest. It had tons of seating, um, amazing decor. So really between kind of Dwayne's charisma with the wheels being greased by his, you know, quote unquote business partners and also his sales pitch that, you know, this is a great place for these top flight artists to stop on their way to Detroit, make a few extra bucks, um, kind of all the stars were aligning. Um, and Dwayne really was an impresario in that sense, right? He helped bring rock and roll to Toledo and then he was the guy uh, that brought country western uh, to Toledo as well. So really, he was—he always had his eyes set on the future, and he kind of saw the writing on the wall what what was coming. Um, and he was quick to jump on, um, you know, whatever the hottest trend was because he was, you know, a savvy entrepreneur that knew how to hustle and and make money. So between all those things, you know, the end result is you have Grammy-winning, award-winning, top-flight musicians playing in the Rust Belt. I get, uh, before we did the interview, Stephanie sent me an advanced copy of the book. I have to say that I sat down in my comfy chair, started reading and didn't stop until I finished the book. It was, it was that in, uh, intriguing to me. Uh, I have my own thoughts about 
the takeaways from the book. But I'm asking you, what do you hope readers take away from, from reading the book of Aaron Toledo? I hope people take away the incredible story of this man's life. What he achieved in his life is really remarkable and really interesting. I also want people to understand what a powerful impact both the Peppermint Club and the Country Palace had on the community. We interviewed people. We didn't interview anybody who said anything other than great things about that, those clubs. They met their spouses there. They met their best friends there. The clubs, what my father created, were just woven in. Those businesses were woven into the fabric of these people's lives. And that's really remarkable. It's also not, not, not so much a cautionary tale, but a story of what it takes to achieve that kind of success, the price you pay to get it, and then the price you pay to keep it. Um, and then finally, it's just the truth of one family's story. Um, so many people sugarcoat their family history, so many people sugarcoat life, and life is messy, and relationships are messy, and people's lives really are so much more deep and interesting than most people think. So I really wanted to just pull back the curtain on this one man's life. And you were very, very candid in the book. Yeah. Again, I, I am like Dom, you know, we're truth tellers. We want to really tell the truth as far as we can tell. Um, you know, we, I found letters from my mother to my brother. I found letters. My mother wrote my sister. Um, and other missives from my mother that were just just heartbreaking. And I felt it was important to share that just so that people understand that, you know, Dwayne wasn't alone in this business. He wasn't alone in this life. He had a wife and children who also experienced the highs and lows of his success as well. Um, again, it's just uh, an attempt to be truthful about one family's life. Yeah, I think a lot of these books that touch on, you know, kind of the glitz and glamour of the mafia and entertainment scene like that's that's entertaining which want people to be entertained obviously but it also kind of makes you reflect and think to yourself and makes you think about your own family life right like i think um you know charles brant who was gracious enough to to write an endorsement for our books there's something in this book for everyone whether you are a 20 something on on the coast or you're an older person in the midwest or whoever you are the story of Dwayne Abijay and his life and the people he encountered um, it's there's something in it for everyone that'll make you kind of think like, what would I do to take my family this far? And you know, how far would I press to get um, my goals? And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's entertaining. But it's also a difficult read at times too. I mean, Stephanie, you mentioned the letters that you saw from your mom and um, some of the stuff you touched on with your brother and family. It's, it's, it's difficult to read, but ultimately um, rewarding. Stephanie, to be this candid about about your family and 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 your father, especially the connections to uh, to the mob, how did the rest of your family react to uh, your decision to write this book? Some better than others. Um, I have three surviving siblings. They all read drafts of it and endorsed it. Um, I didn't publish anything that I didn't run by my siblings. Um, my brother David was the most candid. He really, he contributed a tremendous amount of information uh, in the back of the book um, that I didn't know. I had never really spoken to him about his feelings. So that was, that was remarkable. They, they, they all contributed information to the book. They all contributed their feelings, comments. 
So I do have a stamp of approval from my siblings. Um, in terms of other relatives, uh, I spoke to one of my father's surviving sisters and you know, she gave me great background in their life growing up. Um, but we did interview quite a few people who didn't want to either go on the record or would, would talk, but didn't want their names mentioned. Um, and we did interview some people who flat out were just in denial about you know, who my father was and who some of his business partners were. So, um, you know, we tried to be as candid as possible and made sure that everything we were printing was, at, at least as far as we could, approved by my siblings and my family. So what is the real takeaway from this book, A Bar in Toledo? I think it's much more about Dwayne's legacy and less about um, the mob connections. Obviously, the mob more or less helped facilitate some of that. But at the, at the end of the day, it's Dwayne's name on the sign. It's Dwayne's name on the flyers. It's Dwayne who's bringing in these crowds of people that are lined up around the block and around the block to see some of the most iconic and legendary musicians that have ever walked the face of the earth. So I think that's kind of what shocked me as someone who was unfamiliar with this territory going in is like, this was not normal to have Chuck Berry and Jerry Lee Lewis coming in regularly to play at a, a nightclub in Toledo, Ohio, of all places, and to have, um, you know, Loretta Lynn and uh, Hal, Hal Bynum and all these country music icons just casually walking in and hanging out with this guy who, you know, a few years ago had dirt under his fingernails from working a construction job, and now he's dressed up to the nines and hanging out with top flight music talent. My guess? Stephanie Abergé and Dominic Viana. Their new book can be purchased at abarintoledo.com. It will soon be available from Amazon, the UT Press, and at local bookstores. If you're at all interested in Toledo history and nostalgia, this is a must-read. I welcome your comments through my website, londonmitchell.news. And please, join us again at the same time next week when we will again be staying in contact here on Topath Radio.